Hey everyone, I'm Eric and welcome back to another SDR Game podcast episode. My guest today is Christian Conner, sales strategist at UserGems. And today we are going to talk about enterprise prospecting. Christian, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, before we start, can you start explaining what you do at UserGems and what's UserGems? So um, I am in a sales strategist role at UserGems, basically working with our um, sales teams on deal strategy and also working with our marketing team to just kind of help um, spread the good news about, about UserGems. And what we do in a nutshell is um, automate the process of uh, helping you track your past buyers and champions as they change jobs. And then once they change jobs and they're able to buy from you again, then we help you automatically multi-thread into those accounts so that your past buyers aren't selling um, on their own inside their organization. So being able to um, really, especially in this market where it's such a, where people are so hesitant, you're, the best customers you have are going to be the ones that have bought from you before. And that's a really good one because also for me, if I, in my current role on previous owners, so that's prospects that I'm focusing a lot because they are easier to want to book a meeting with, but also to close. So also what's yep. interesting for this episode, because right now that's your new role, um, sales strategist, but before that you were an enterprise account executive for a long time. Uh, so that's why also we're going to talk about enterprise prospecting today because uh, you have been uh, prospecting enterprise accounts for a really long time. So uh, what do you think is the difference between selling selling slash prospecting mid-market accounts and enterprise accounts? Yeah, it's a really smart question because I think people don't often know that it's a really big difference. So to your point, um, I have been a always been a full cycle AE. So even there are times when I've had SDR, BDR support, but I've always been responsible for some part of my own pipeline. Um, and that's since, gosh, uh, probably six years in tech now, um, five plus in enterprise accounts. And that's at places like Outreach, Salesforce, um, and Tableau. So some large companies selling to large accounts. And when you, there's a, there's a big difference between, um, enterprise and mid-market, usually when you have a mid-market book, um, you have lots and lots of accounts that you can prospect, maybe hundreds. But for a true enterprise role, it's going to be a handful. And for like a strategic type role, you may have only, you may have at the ultimate strategic level, like at Salesforce, they may have one um, current customer and they may have one or two prospects that they're trying to open up that account. So it, it, there's is a huge range of of the people that of the companies that you can approach, um, and so you want to be careful and thoughtful with how you do that. Um, you can't just if you if you burn a bridge somewhere, I mean that's really going to affect you in enterprise much more so than it would um, in mid market. Never good, uh, but probably you're going to feel that more in enterprise and. So in enterprise, you just need to do a lot more research before you start prospecting to really truly understand the account. Whereas if you're in like a SMB, like a, a small business role or a mid-market role, you can understand kind of more generally around like your you know personas and problems you solve versus if you're only handling a few accounts, you want to go really, really deep 
into the specific problem that that enterprise team is is facing. Those who are listening, so you mentioned that, for example, an enterprise account executive can have like maybe a strategic enterprise account executive can have like maybe three or four accounts for Nesia. Um, I don't know a lot of strategic SDR, but I, I met a few uh, generalists have like six or seven accounts, something like that. And uh, they work with yeah. maybe three A's at the same time. Yeah, so, yeah, um, sure. And yeah, like you mentioned, so for the mid-market uh, and SMB, prospecting generally it's more like focused on the industry and the persona. So you, maybe you can do some research, but maybe not the same as enterprise. So right. um, can we talk about the your process with prospecting a new account. So how, let's say uh, when you started at UserGems, what was your process to go after a new enterprise account? Yeah, so I think it's, I think it's really, really important for um, AEs and SDRs to work together um, because the SDR is generally going to be on the phone more and hear more kind of chatter around the organization, right? And the AE is usually going to be the one responsible for really digging in to like the 10K or really digging into the industry. And so it's kind of a top down, bottom up. And, and both of them have something that they can, that's really important to contribute. And so in those roles, I met with the SDRs that worked those accounts um, either once a week or once every other week, because you want to work together to develop a strategy based on what everyone is, is hearing and researching and understanding from the market. So that, that partnership is really, really important. Um, ideally, I think one of the things that is that a enterprise or strategic AEs should be helping SDRs and bringing to those meetings is the enterprise AE should have read the 10 K for that, organization and they should be able to have the top kind of takeaways to feed the SDR. The SDR is the specialist in being able to have those conversations on the fly on the phone, but it's much easier if you say, here are the 10, you know, talking points that are going to resonate. Here's the vocabulary that's important. Um, you know, here are the personas that this person is new in the organization. So they, they've been very ambitious in past organizations, like feeding the stuff that's going to inform um, so that the SDR is not just like, left out there, you know, trying to, there's no reason for both people to be doing that kind of work. Um, but I think probably in the most successful, like AESDR prospecting relationships that I've had, both of them are looking at the book of business and saying, okay, here's the accounts that look like good prospects for us. They have a lot of end users. They're in the right industry. They have, you know, the, a tech stack that works well, with ours. Those are things that both of them should be kind of looking at and understanding to know who is even, who's the, where's the best place to spend our time. So now you have your account. Uh, what's your process with this account, for example? Do you start um, a complaint? In fact, do you start with an account plan? Um, do you start reading a 10K or how do you start? Yeah. So I have um, every organization I've been with um, every like unicorn organization I've been with, you have to do an account plan for usually like the top 10% of your accounts. And, and if you're only handling one or two, you're, you're definitely doing it for both. Um, and yeah, so that account plan is going to be this working document that everybody contributes to so that, um, so that everybody knows where everything is. 
Um, and generally it's going to be like, how many, how many employees do they have? Who are their competitors, especially competitors that use our technology? Um, who are our reference customers in their space? What do we know about their tech stack? How do they make money? Um, for, from their 10K, you want to be looking at things like, um, what are their goals around? And generally, a company is going to be um, looking at primarily one of three things, talking about one of three things broadly in a 10K. They're going to be talking about growth, risk, or efficiency. Companies that are lots of tech companies, well, especially in the past, have been high growth companies. So they're going to be talking about how they plan to grow. Older legacy type companies, which is mostly what you're going to be dealing with in enterprise or strategic accounts, are going to be talking about risk. What risks do they see to their business? Who are their competitors, especially if their product is considered a commodity? And and what and they may be talking about efficiency, right? Like how do we have efficiency in the organization around these things? And so that's what you want to pull out of the 10K and then put into that account plan so that every time the AE has a meeting, they can go back and look at that. And every time the SDR is on the, getting ready to do a, a call session, right, they can look at that and understand, here's what's important to that organization. Um, here's the vocabulary I should use. That way, nobody is relying on their memory as they're working on these large accounts. And what's your process with, uh, for example, the 10K, uh, your research? Because uh, I remember I saw one of your posts a few months ago, you were talking about the 10K that you're <laughs> spending maximum 15 minutes. So what do you do in those 15 minutes? One of the, so especially at the beginning of the year, whenever you just get your new book of business or you just get a new account, you want to spend 15 minutes getting an overall feel and you'll, you'll, you may go a lot deeper later in the year. Um, but what you are, you're going to want to search um, for things like words like risk, like we just talked about, initiative, strategy, invest in. You want to you want to control F and search for those things. Um, that way, you can understand immediately those key points and and dig into them. Sometimes sometimes the risk part of their 10k maybe five pages long. So even though you're even though you're searching for four or five keywords, fully looking at those is probably going to take you about 15 minutes. But once you do that, you you have a much better understanding of where they're focused. And then especially as for an SDR, especially for anyone who's prospecting, that's enough for you to start having a conversation. Hey, I read in your 10k that you're seeing risks around losing market share to the you're the number two in your space. But, you know, number three is creeping up. You know, how are you thinking about, you know, using efficiencies around X, Y, Z to, to grab market share? And then, you know, that's enough to start a conversation. Do you use common F uh, to find those words in the 10K or, or something else? Yeah, you use control F, like to search the document, just like you would any like PDF. Because usually, usually on, on, and where you can find that is you can, um, on the company, um, your, your prospect company, if you're prospecting to IBM, you go to IBM's webpage, you could look at, you go to investor relations and then they'll, they'll list all of the, their most recent reports, whether annual or quarterly, you get that as a PDF and then you can search it. Do you just read the annual one or so the quarterly ones? It kind of depends on where you are in the year. I mean, if it's Q3, you, yeah, you should be looking at their most recent one as well. But I always like to look at 
I always look at the annual one and then depending where they are in the year, looking at the, um, looking at the most recent ones, because you can say, Hey, I saw that at the beginning of the year, this was a priority or you were seeing a lot of risk around this. And I saw in Q3 that your earnings were down. Is that risk still affecting you? And obviously the risk that you want to be asking about is one that your product or offering can, can solve. Otherwise not conversation is going to go anywhere, but you, you want to be able to weave that thread together. Um, the other thing that you can do is um, you can Google the company and then search. And then instead of just, and then narrow down the Google search by news, because especially around earnings report time, analysts comments are going to be summarized. And analysts get paid a lot of money to dissect what's happening with these companies. And so when they issue their comments, that will save you a lot of work. Are you trying to deduce what's happening? Because, you know, if you read three analysts questions and then uh, in their um, investor chat, or you read a summary of the analyst report or what the street thinks, the Wall Street thinks is going to happen, you'll have a pretty good idea of how the market is thinking about it and what the company is probably either excited about or worried about. So just to, to make sure I understood correctly, the, are you talking about the earning calls and on the transcript, you can find this information? Or? Yes. Or, earn, so yes, earnings calls, like looking at earnings calls, I kind of merge those together. So earnings calls is one thing, but if you Google, so if, again, if we're prospecting IBM and you Google IBM and then you filter your Google search by news at the top, um, a lot of times if something super noteworthy came out of their Q3 earnings report, that has people freaked out, it's going to be at the top of that news. Just to go back on what you said about the quarterly reports, um, something mm -hmm. uh, I was prospecting an account uh, a month ago, something like that. And I was reading the, the, ten, that was the case, not the thinker, but the quarterly report. And the address saw that, for example, they left 10% of, uh, of their team two weeks uh, ago, five weeks ago. When I was reading, it's uh, before I was reading the 10K that were uh, daily off. So, and that's, I didn't see yeah. any news about this. So uh, in the 10K, you can find really um, good information. Actually, if it's the, the business is in a good situation or, or not. Also. To go back on what you're saying at the beginning. So you said that at some companies, uh, you um, work on an account plan, for example, for your 10%, uh, for your ten, top 10% accounts. Uh, what do you do with the rest, uh, with the 90%? Do you have like, a different process or? It depends on the company. So if, but if you have, you know, 20 to 50 to 100 accounts, there's no way that you could do account plans for all of them. And unless your organization is, amazing in ways that no one else is, there's no way that all of those accounts are a good fit for you. Um, and so that's why you want to do the work up front to narrow down the the 10%. And it's not that you're not prospecting. If you have a hundred accounts, like, yeah, you should be prospecting. You should be doing something in all of them, but it's just not like the, you know, the bottom 70 or 80% of those that aren't as good a fit you can afford to do things that are more general, but the ones that are the biggest targets, the best um, you know, prospects where you wanna make sure that you've done your research, you wanna make sure that you've done kind of deep personalization uh, because those are the, the big swings you're hoping to take. You were talking about um, the relation, for the SDI relationship um, and you started to talk a bit about that, but the below and above the power line. So 
how do you work with an SDR to, to do that? Uh, so how do you how do you focus on that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so um, Kevin Dorsey has this saying that he says that describes it really well as far as like calling at all levels of the organization. He talks about calling low in the organization for intel, calling mid-level like management folks for insight and calling high like executives for um, influence. And so like if, if this is a new, in situations where I've been prospecting to, into enterprise new logos, a lot of the times you're not, um, you're not going to get a, your first meeting with the VP of sales, but what you may get is, uh, you know, an AE who's really interested in your product. They've been on your website a lot. And so they may take a meeting because they want what you have. And so they want to, they want to know more and they're willing to tell you like, Hey, here is, here are the people that you should be connecting with in our organization. So, um, I love to see SDRs calling even low in the organization at the beginning, right? Like, and, and you have to work out it with your organization, how SDRs are comped on this too, because if they're only comped, when you get a meeting with director and above, you really can't ask them to be calling below that. That's really not fair for how they're compensated. So like everybody, you, you know, there should be good communication there. Um, but as an AE, I've taken multiple calls with other AEs or, you know, definitely below the director level just to get the information that I need to go to use that information to go higher in the organization. Um, and so, um, so, and then sometimes I've seen organizations have SDRs run the discovery with um, either like at the end user level or at like a manager level, because it gives the SDR, if the SDR wants to become an AE, it gives them practice running discovery calls. Um, and then the AE can focus on other things. So there's a lot of ways to handle it because if you are trying to get into a big brand new account, you're going to, I mean, unless you, you know, work for a Salesforce where your CEO can call their CEO and you can just walk in, that's not most of us, right? So you, it, lots of times you need to start at the bottom to understand the organization first. I'm pretty familiar with what you mentioned uh, because I've, I've seen the posts of, of Katie about this, uh, but for those who are not familiar with it, uh, so what, what's a lot of talking to an end user, uh, are you looking to see what their current pains are um, and then what you do with that? So two things I want to know when I talk to the end users and so, and you mentioned above the line and below the line. So the, this is a Skip Miller term and the line is the power line, right? Like somebody who has the power to sign something. So executives are above the line, manager below are below the line. It's just, and the both of them have valuable information. It's just, they have it, they care about different things. And so you need to know who you're talking to. So end users care about, can you help me do my job? Does your thing work for what I want? And so like when I talk to an end user, I will talk. Part of what I'll do is show them how I think this can work for them because that's why they're on the call. The other thing, if they like, if, if they agree that, oh yeah, this does what I thought it does, I really think we could use this, then the next thing is, okay, who in your organization should I, would you suggest I talk to? Because if you're prospecting into a five or 10,000 or 50,000 person organization, there may be a hundred VPs of something. 
And so a lot of times they'll say, Hey, yeah, you know, like my boss doesn't really get involved with this, but Sally's the VP of product marketing. And she really cares about this, even though her title is product marketing, you wouldn't think so, but she really does. And she's the CMO's best friend. Like they'll tell you like those little internal, like politics in the organization that you, that will be a big shortcut for you. And that's like, they're, they can't introduce you to the CMO, nor should you ask them to, because they don't even know them, right? Like you're not asking them for introductions, but you're just asking them for information. So do you think this will help? Uh, if so, who should we be talking to? And the other thing I liked, I love to ask in users is like, how do you refer to this problem or this project internally? In other words, is this called project pipeline? Is this called, um, you know, project save the day? Is this project Eagle, whatever, or like, is this the C3 initiative or whatever? Because then when you talk with other people, you are using that vocabulary and that telegraphs to them that you are already talking to people in their organization. You sound like an insider. You sound like one of us. You don't sound like an outsider. So that's one of the most valuable things that end user people in end user roles can help you with is who's who in the zoo and how do you talk about this in your organization? I really like that because that go back to what you're saying in the beginning in the company, you can see the vocabulary and uh, that's not something I was thinking about, but yeah, you, because generally we try to use words, um, maybe that marketing gave us and to talk about what we do, mm-hmm. but now you can talk about mm-hmm. the specific uh, vocabulary of the company. And uh, also what you, you mentioned about the, um, you, you said, for example, Sally, the VP of product marketing, she's owning this, for example. And that's something I realized right now because I'm, I'm working with uh, data leaders, like you did that Tableau, actually. Uh, so we have BI leaders and um, analytics leaders also. And uh, here it's, I'm pretty new to the space. So sometimes I'm just focused too much on the title, you know, you know, uh, thinking about, hey, I should talk to this yep. person. But then when yep. you talk to an IC of the company, I say, no, you should talk to this person because even though the title is not the right title, um, and I think that's, uh, yeah, super valuable to do that. Uh, so what do you do next? Uh, so now you have your information uh, from uh, an end user. Uh, do you talk to the, the I imagine, to the person they gave you? So generally it's like a, um, a manager or director. So, I mean, you want to ask their permission. So can I, can I use your name? Or should I just say, you know, I've been talking with your team because you obviously want to, they've given you time and information. You don't want to throw them under the bus if they don't want you to know that. Um, You also want to, you know, ask them who else should I be talking to? It may not be a manager or director level. It may be another, um, you know, end user level person, but they are on a different team. And so they know how both teams could use your product. So you want to, you want to talk to, you know, a number of people. Um, and then what you want to do then is take that information and use it to get the next meeting. So, Hey, I was talking with, um, you know, multiple folks on the teams that do this. It sounds like the problems that they're having, you know, it sounds like there's problems related to pipeline that you didn't hit in Q1. People are kind of worried about Q2. You know, we got a lot of organizations who are, facing that problem and they're now looking to find their past buyers because that's a quick way to build pipeline. You know, like, so you're, you're, you're leveraging that inside information to get that next meeting with the next higher level person. I know when 
Uh, I was doing some research also uh, for, for this episode. You you talk a lot about multi-threading in, in prospecting also. So what's multi-threading? Um, is it, because I know it could be like the channels you are using, but I think here it's more about uh, contacting different per, um, people at the company. So is it uh, like we talk about right now or is it something different? Most companies, like so like most companies for what they sell, the buying committee that's going to be involved is going to be anywhere from four to 12 people. Like Harvard Business Review says now it's it's 5.7 people that are involved in a, in a buying decision at a company, right? And so, and usually your marketing team will have come and said to you, like, here are the three personas we sell to. We, we need to talk to VPs of sales, VPs of marketing, and VPs of rev ops or sales ops. These are, and if, and a good marketing team will tell you, here are the, here's the pain that these three personas feel that we solve. And here's how we solve those things. And so when you're multi-threading, when you're prospecting, you want to be reaching out to every persona in that organization that is generally someone who buys from you. And, and so you're going to take that good intel that marketing has given you or that you've gathered from the customer stories showing which problems you solve. Because you solve, I solve a different problem for a VP of sales than I do a VP of marketing. And so my messaging to them is going to be different. Otherwise, it's just going to fall flat. So it's not enough just to reach out with the same email or phone call script to all the different people on the buying committee. You need to alter it for what they care about. A VP of sales, when you say dirty data to them, they're like, yeah, Salesforce data is crap. Right. RevOps is like, oh my God, it's driving me crazy. We can't do reporting. They care about those in very different ways. And so you, your prospecting will go a lot farther if you speak the language of the personas that you're talking with. But, and it's, and it will never be enough to just be talking well, not never, but very rarely be enough to talk, be talking to just one person in a deal. And so what, what gets a meeting a lot of times is the buzz that you are creating by contacting multiple people in that organization. Because like we talked about before, sometimes we don't get the titles right. So um, sometimes, you know, they might say, Hey, yeah, I know I've, my thing says VP RevOps, but really what you need is we also have a VP of marketing operations and this falls under them. I can't help you, but I think this sounds intriguing. I'm going to introduce you to Rebecca or like, so when you create that buzz and everyone is getting something from you, people are going to be like, Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, wasn't Dan just talking about that last week? Let's, you know, send this over the fence to him. So when you create that buzz, you, you increase the likelihood that somebody is going to take a meeting with you. So you, you are giving the example of the sales team, the ops team, the marketing team. Um, when, let's say, you already have some information, do you try to book the three teams at the same time or you try to talk with them separately? Eh? Or what's your process? Separately. Separately? Why? Separately. Um, because group demos can go wrong in any in lots and lots of ways. Um, and so you, you want to, again, because what they care about is, is different. You solve different pain and somebody's going to check out and start looking at their phone or looking at Slack because you're talking about something that doesn't pertain to them. 
versus if you can meet with them each individually, especially at the beginning, you're able to really do discovery and really tailor the conversation to the things that they care about. Um, but you can use one meeting to get the other, right? So if you, if I get a meeting with VP of sales, then I'm immediately before that meeting even happens, I'm reaching out to the VP of marketing and saying, Hey, I am meeting with James, who's your VP of sales. He's looking to solve this problem. Uh, a lot of times marketers need to build pipeline. They have a pipeline number. I don't know how you guys are tracking towards that, but if you're, if you guys are also looking for a way to you know, help build you know, your pipeline faster, maybe, maybe it would be worth a conversation. And a lot of times when I've done that, especially in enterprise, sometimes marketing and sales and ops are multiple different departments are looking for what you do, but they haven't told anyone else because they are only thinking about the way that it affects them, but you can help everybody. And so sometimes it's very helpful when you are then connecting the dots for them, because it may not be maybe somebody, an executive they've never even met. If it's true enterprise, there's 10,000 to 50,000 people in that company. It could easily be someone that where they could both have the same interest, both your product could work for both. You can pull budget from both. And that's why they're interested too, right? Because if, if they're, if they want what you have, but they don't have the full budget for it, but they can pool with three other execs, you've created then something, everybody, you've created value because you connected them with people they didn't know could help them get what they wanted. What you mentioned right now about talking to them separately or so, I think it's, uh, but it's kind of like what you're doing with your prospecting approach because you said you are, you want to be really tailored to yep. each, uh, each team and yep. not... Yeah, maybe if I was having a demo with the three teams that you you know that's maybe not everything will be uh, valuable for for everyone. So okay, I, re I react that. Uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I would say before we move on from that, I think there's there's an important um, call out there because I've I've seen organizations where if there's an opportunity that's already started, sometimes. Uh, SDRs won't won't be comped on setting another meeting because there's already an opportunity started. But I have, I especially for enterprise, I think that thinking is misguided. You can't like you need more than one meeting. And and at the beginning of a deal, the AE has other things that they're working on. The SDRs is, is a specialist in getting new people to take meetings. So I've gone to bat and said, hey. I am asking, uh, you know, I am asking this SDR to, I, I want this meeting. I have a meeting with VP of sales. I want VP marketing. I want VP rev ops. Can we agree that if they get those meetings, because this is a six, seven, eight figure potential deal. Can we agree that if they get those meetings, that will count towards their quota? Because again, I can't ask an SDR to work on something that's not going to help them with what they need. Right. And I've also like, again, maybe falling in the camp of asking forgiveness rather than permission. What I have done is um, sometimes I've opened a separate up with a V, like if I get one meeting in the, and I say SDR, we're looking for VP marketing and they get another one, I will open that up and leave it open until they're comped on it and then just combine it with the other one. Because again, like, and this is an example of how, like, we need to understand how the other person benefits from this and work together because that's a win-win, right? Like, I don't have to make 40 calls to get that meeting that I need. 
And so I get to work on what I need to work on, which is closing the other later stage deals. And, and the SDR gets comped for what they are supposed to be doing, which is setting valuable new meetings. So it's a win-win. You just have to know how your organization works and make sure that you're doing it in a way that benefits everybody. Yeah, the actually talking to to the working at companies with enterprise motion for years and talking to other years. So generally, when the company is pretty new in the space, uh, trying to to go after enterprise accounts, you are just compound the first meeting. But then, yeah, I was talking with a strategic SDR the other day, and now that he is like you are mentioning about, he can get different opportunities or can book different meetings, and it will be comp uh, on them. Because like you mentioned here, the goal is to, to help you uh, sell. And uh, I think in the enterprise segment, it's, it's not enough to have like just one meeting for, right. for, for, for the SDR. So uh, yeah, I think that's something uh, interesting uh, to, to help you uh, close more, to close the deal actually. Uh, yep. I know uh, we are almost at the end and I, I have something, I'm going to share it because uh, I think it will be easier after the, the episode, but you've shared a template uh, the other day. Not, don't remember when exactly, but uh, an email template from an SVP of sales of a multi-billion multi dollar uh, unicorn uh, to personalize mm -hmm. uh, prospecting email. So the, the email was about uh, doing the math for them. Can you explain uh, the, this email and uh, what you, how you think about this when you are sending this email. So what do you want to include on this email? And obviously I'm going to share the email. Uh, in sales, we talk about our one of our primary jobs being reducing friction, meaning making it easy for people to work with us. And so if we know that we add value to organizations like in their size and we know kind of some benchmark numbers that we can use, what we want to do is not count on them to do the math in their heads but when we are we're reaching out to them then we want to say okay so for user gyms um i know what the average job change rate is like in in the country across the board it's 20 21 percent so uh and then if i know especially for a large company a lot of times they will publish on their website like hey we work with ten thousand you know, we work with 10,000 companies, 10,000 companies trust IBM to do whatever, right? So then you know, okay, well, this is your number of companies that this that are customers. And then, okay, I think, well, now, I now for user gyms, I need to know, okay, well, how many um, buying, how many people are on the, the buying committee for this company, right? So it's like, okay, so if they have 10,000 customers, let's say five people were responsible for bringing, for making them a customer, right? So then that's 50,000 people that are familiar and made a buying decision. And if 20% of those change jobs every year, that's 10,000 warm leads that your company may be missing out on because you don't know where they went and you don't know, and you don't have a motion for how to find those and re-engage them when they move jobs. And just doing those numbers and it's, I made it round numbers for easy math. It's better if they're, not round because those because the more not round a number is the more specific it is right um so if they say eleven thousand two hundred thirty one customers trust that's ideal because then your numbers are going to be kind of messy and messy numbers look real um 
but you're just helping them understand what this actually means. Because if I say to you, hey, I can help you get a lot of warm leads, that's different than saying, you may be missing out on 10,000 people who can buy from you again. Like that is an eye-catching number. And it's not, um, and like and in that email, like I literally type, yeah, you, math teacher always said, show your work, right? Like I went like this number of customers times this buying committee times this job change rate, and then put the X in the little line. And then like, here's the, you know, here's this. Um, I've seen people do the math on like a piece of paper and take a picture, um, you know, handwriting. That's something, you know, that's not something you see every day, but you're just, you're just not asking them to do the mental work of understanding how you can help them. You're showing them the impact from the beginning. Because I think it's competitive fun to say, hey, I can give you 10,000 leads uh, because one, you don't know the business first and you, you can say I can give you 10,000 leads because uh, you, you don't know, and here it's, you're showing them that you've done your research and how many potential leads because obviously it's specific for them. So I think it's super valuable for, for, for VPs or C-level executives because you want to be specific as possible and you do the math for them. So I think that's pretty smart to, to do that. Because uh, I remember so Katie once was telling on, on the podcast, telling that he has a lot of people reaching to him saying, hey, I can 3X your pipeline. And he say, you don't know my pipeline. So because imagine you have a pipeline of 50 mm -hmm. million in, in Q1 and right. you say, I can 3X your, right. your pipeline. Okay, you're saying that you can get 150 million pipeline for me. So it's... Here it's pretty specific and I think that's, that works uh, really well. It works if you know like benchmark metrics and as long as you're in the right ballpark, um, they're going to they're gonna be impressed that you did the, the work. They don't expect it to be like perfect, right? Like it's, you're not giving them a quote, but you're showing them like here is the possible impact. And the whole point of that is just to be for, to, for them to per perk up and be like, oh, that's a fairly significant number. And I never thought about X, Y, or Z problem this way. I never attached these dollars to that problem. And that's what, that's what gets executive attention. And what do you think about the number of words in your emails also? Because for example, I know right now that there is a lot of people on LinkedIn say you should have a, um, a certain amount of, of words. So here, this emails, I think it's like maybe 200 words, something else. So what, what do you think about that? Yeah. So that email was that that's a good point because, um, I, I use lavender a lot for like best practice on what, what makes a good email and you don't want them to scroll at all, hopefully, but especially not that first email. So that email was actually the second email I sent. Um, the first was, um, I actually had a connection, a very loose connection with that VP from another company. Like I, like she, I knew her by reputation. And so I'm, and, and also she and I had both worked at the same, a same company in the past. And so the first email was, Hey, I, I know you by reputation because I worked at outreach and you were a legend there because of X, Y, Z. I see. We also survived X, Y, Z company you know, I, I mean, I think I may be able to help with this. And then she said, interesting, you know, bottom line it for me. And so that's when I went into that. So, but so that's, that's why it's longer is it wasn't a first email, but there's definitely a way to do it where the, there are fewer words. And in fact, if, if I was doing it on a first email, I would, 
probably try to keep it to under 75 words and just use an image of where I did handwritten math, like on a piece of paper. So that way that's not, it's an image, which is different. And you're not taking up a bunch of space on their screen with text. That's probably how I would do it if it was a first email. Okay. We should try this. So yeah. Uh, that's Yeah. Let me know how it works. Yeah. Uh, so last question, what advice would you give to someone prospecting on top of the account for the first time? And what advice should they ignore? Enterprise prospecting, you need to do your research. It needs to be deeply personalized. And then the last thing is do use the phone or LinkedIn voice. If you can, the phone is the least noisy channel. Think about how many texts and emails you get every day versus how many voicemails, right? Like, and again, you're not on, on a, on a voicemail or a LinkedIn voice. You're not asking them to call you back. Josh Braun talks about the voicemail being the advertisement for the email or the LinkedIn message that you've already sent, but it just, um, it just gets attention because it's different. Right. And, um, and there's also some, there's also some data, some studies out there that show that when people hear your voice, they like you more. Like now you have to bring energy to the call, right. And you have to be bring energy to the message, but hearing someone's voice feels more personal than just seeing text. So you need to use that whenever you can, whether that's phone, LinkedIn voice video, however you're doing it. Um, and the advice they should ignore the, I, the advice that they got, hopefully they're not getting now, but that they got it when they were doing SMB or mid-market, which is activity is the name of the game. No, not an enterprise. Quality. It's quality over quantity. The more accounts you have, the more, the, more your, the quantity of activity matters. The fewer accounts you have, the more quality each touch has to be. Well, Kristen, it was a really fun conversation. Thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show today. Uh, but before we end the episode, do you have something else you want to share with the audience? Uh, yeah, it's great to be here. I appreciate the opportunity. Um, folks can find me on LinkedIn, um, share more. This is the, kind of all, everything we talked about today is, is you know, based off of stuff I share on LinkedIn, trying to do stuff that's very tactically um, broken down. And um, so I get a lot of questions um, around discovery and I just released my discovery guide uh, yesterday. So if they follow me on LinkedIn, they can find that there, but um, love to love to get feedback and, and also hear if folks tried what we talked about today, how it went. Well, thank you so much uh, for everything and uh, for everyone listening. I see you on the next episode.